This past week saw some decent earnings numbers from big companies, not the worst inflation data we could get, and a continually resilient stock market. So why doesn't this feel better than it looks? This is The Markets, a new series from the Goldman Sachs Exchange's podcast. Hi, I'm Sam Grobart. Joining us for our kickoff episode is Tony Pascarello from Global Banking and Markets. Tony and I are going to talk about all that uneasiness, as well as China's GDP, European markets, and the tech sector. Tony, thanks for joining us today. I'm going to go right into these questions. You recently wrote about how people you're speaking with remain perplexed by what you called the bulletproof performance of the stock market, particularly in light of last month's concerns over regional banks. Have the bank earnings you've seen these past few weeks changed that story at all? I don't think that story has changed a lot. What we've seen in bank earnings over the past few weeks, both from the regional banks and then the big banks, I think it came mostly as a relief to the market. I don't mean to say it's been uniformly good news, but issues like deposit flight and credit quality were generally viewed as, as better than feared. And so the market was rallying well in advance of these reports, and there was nothing in them to shoot against that rally. One of the puzzling things about markets today is how volatility has declined recently. Why do you think that is? For sure, this has come as a bit of a surprise. For all of the unknowns out there, for all of the trap doors and potential tail risks, as you say, Sam, volatility has come down a lot. I think there's a few things at work here. The first is what we just covered. To this point in the game, the regional banking crisis, it really hasn't protracted. In fact, it's actually been pretty quiet since that eventful weekend around SVB. The second piece is, and this gets to my range trade view of the stock market, I think you have a set of countervailing fundamental forces, and some of those are good, some of those are concerning, and that's just kind of left S&P stuck in the mud. So when the market isn't moving much day to day or week to week, realized volatility compresses, and therefore implied volatility compresses as well. You were just referring to some countervailing forces. Can you tell me a little bit what those might be? You know, fundamentally, I would say the strongest thing we can identify is we've created 1 million jobs in the past three months. And so the labor market remains remarkably strong, particularly at this point in the cycle. That was from the starting point of 3.5% unemployment. You know, against that, other parts of the data set, particularly around housing, for example, have been less inspiring. On one hand, inflation's come down for nine consecutive months. On the other hand, core inflation is 5.6 today. At the end of 2021, when the Fed was still on the zero bound, core inflation was 5.5%. And so, you know, again, not uniformly all good nor all bad. And I think that push-pull is partly why the markets remain stuck in the mud. I want to move outside of the U.S. for a second and over to China, where that nation's GDP outperformed analyst expectations in the first quarter. That should be a boost to global GDP. Did it make a mark on global assets this week? On the margin, good news, but I would not say it's had a major impact. No. As you say, Q1 GDP printed 4.5%, which is certainly strong and I think affirmational of our view, our house view, that China's going to grow a full 6% this year. And brick by brick, day by day, I do think the China reopening story is playing out than what we had seen in the U.S. and the U.K. in terms of the intensity and the consumer elements. But again, it's generally coming together. You know, that said, Chinese equities haven't moved much this week, a little bit higher. And if you look at the currency markets, dollar China is going absolutely nowhere. It's, it's barely budged in the past month. 
Let's move over to Europe for a second. That continent stock market is having a remarkably good year. The Eurostoxx 50 has gained more than the S&P 500 year to date. Tony, your clients are some of the largest hedge funds in the world. What are you hearing from them about European stocks continuing ability to outperform? As someone who, who tends to be a little skeptical on European equities, typically, at least relative to the US, I have to give credit where it's due. Eurostoxx is up 14% this year which is about twice what S&P's returned. And it's actually outperformed the S&P for the past four consecutive quarters, which hasn't happened since way back mid-05, mid-06. I think there's a, a few factors at work here. I think some of that outperformance was front-loaded at the start of the year when investors were looking to dial up their exposure to call it the value or the cyclical parts of the market. I think part of this is, is relative value as Europe is comparatively cheap with a PE that's around six points below S&P. And I think some of this reflects the fact that investors were looking to slide a few chips outside the U.S. after concentrating capital, rightly so, for so many years. And so I think clients have been somewhat involved. Again, I think it's worked very well, but I wouldn't say it's been a full commitment. And I do think there's still some wariness around, call it, ongoing geopolitical risk as we head into the spring. From things like semiconductors to artificial intelligence, there's been a lot of talk lately around technology. What are you hearing from clients on that topic? So after a very tough 2022, remember NASDAQ was down a full 33% last year, tech has performed much better this year. That's particularly true of the mega caps at the very top of the index. I think part of this is thanks to a pretty decent decline in real rates. In a way, I actually think the regional banking crisis that led to a big bond market rally was actually quite helpful for tech. And then I think part of it is this kind of flight to quality, flight to cash flow bias, again, in light of some of the recent news flow. And we've recently seen our clients return to tech. If you look at GS Prime Brokerage data, Q1 saw some pretty meaningful demand for U.S. tech. Goldman Sachs Research currently puts the odds of a U.S. recession over the next 12 months at about 35%. How are your clients feeling about the economy overall, and what reasons are they citing for that? I think investors are pretty wary, particularly the macro community with whom I spend a lot of time. I think part of this traces back to the regional bank story. Again, it's been kind of a quieter run of late but I do still think there's kind of ongoing worry about the medium-term implications for the flow of credit into the real economy. Then you have the specter of the debt ceiling, which will pick up in intensity and market focus over the next couple of months. And then finally, I just think there's plenty of folks who wonder when the, quote, long and, and variable lags of the Fed hiking 475 basis points in 12 months' time will come home to roost. And just look at the yield curve for an illustration of that. As you say, you know, Jan Hatzius puts the odds more like one in three, which is more optimistic than consensus. And again, probably more optimistic than the macro community. They're kind of waiting for another shoe to drop. That's right. Okay, final question. What are you going to be watching out for next week, Tony? Two things, one micro, one macro. On the micro front, earnings next week marks the single heaviest week of the Q1 reporting period. And then the second would be more news from Treasury on tax receipts and how that will impact the timing of the debt ceiling. 
we had a report, right, saying that they were already kind of increasing the probability the debt ceiling could be hit in June as opposed to, say, August, right? And that's dependent on those yeah, tax exactly collection correct. numbers, right? Exactly correct. It's been a very hard thing to pin down, but I think essentially our goalposts are, call it, somewhere between mid-June and late July. And I believe next Tuesday will be the reveal that will help us tighten up that timing. Tony, thanks so much. Thanks, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That does it for our first episode of The Markets, a new series from the Goldman Sachs Exchange's podcast. We'll catch you next Friday. Thanks for listening. The opinions and views expressed in this program are not necessarily the opinions of Goldman Sachs or its affiliates. This program should not be copied or published without the express written consent of Goldman Sachs. Each brand mentioned in this program is the property of the company to which it relates and is not used to imply any ownership or license rights. Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, investment, accounting, or tax advice through this program. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this program. Our theme was composed by Soundboard.